Happy Tuesday, my friend, and welcome back to the Rooted Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra, and as always, I'm never not going to say it. I'm so grateful that you're here with me for the 124th episode of this podcast. Like, what? That feels crazy. I remember hearing from a woman back in 2018 when I was researching doing a podcast that rarely do shows make it to the 100 mark and that this is the hardest part of a podcast. And as someone who self-admittedly does have a hard time keeping up and following through projectors and human design, do you feel me? This feels like a really sweet victory, but in the same breath, I can't imagine not doing this podcast. Yes, I've had hiatuses, but never have I thought like I'm done with this. Rather, I've thought I could do this until I'm old and gray, right? I fucking hope so because I've said this so many times, This is my favorite way to connect with you and honestly with myself and with incredible humans that I have the privilege of interviewing. And speaking of which, today is no different. Today, today we have Emma Campania, or as some of you may know her on Instagram, Real with Emma. I've been following her for years and she is one of my favorite people on the internet If I had to give you just one reason, I'd probably tell you it's because she's so incredibly vulnerable and transparent. And to me, there is nothing more profound, nothing more healthy and more beautiful than that. When people show up in this way, especially during such a fragile time to be a human on this earth, what they're essentially doing is reminding you that you're safe to be yourself too. And she's always giving me, us, her followers, these nuggets of wisdom and something to take away each and every time that she shows up online. And that in itself, I think, is such a gift. It's it's the point of the internet and community. And just by being herself, just by existing and sharing her messy middles and her vulnerability and her anxiety and what cripples her, alongside all of the joy and the growth and the passion that she has for her work and her partner and her life, she inevitably reflects back onto those who are watching and witnessing that it's normal to feel fucked up sometimes, that it's normal to cry because you don't have it in you to, let's say, put away the piles of laundry or clean your house. It's normal to contract and to expand all in one day and that it's possible to break patterns and to tend to ourselves in these attainable ways, right? And to become our own healers. It's possible to up-level and to tap into the truest version of you. And it's super uncomfortable, but it's possible. After her own bout of darkness, which we'll dive into in this episode, Emma is a total light worker, my own words and observation, not hers, who's on a mission to redefine the journey to wellness. Her platforms and offerings are so intentional and so beautifully designed to weave together holistic health and spirituality with the intention of us all being able to fully become all that we came here to be. Sisterhood and empowering women is her life force. It's what drives Emma's work and damn does it show. (laughs) She's the founder and creator of Real With Wellness, the Real With podcast, the Align Experience, the Real With Project, and the Real With Masterclass, clearly gifting us all with her dedication to advocating for self-healing. 
So Emma lives in Portsmouth, New Hampshire with her two fur babies and her fiance, Casey. And when I asked her what she's up to currently as we begin to close out the year, her answer is anything but surprising as she's in the process of creating all new ways to connect, grow, and learn within her community. This woman does not stop and those who get to witness her and to learn from her are better off because of it. I'm not going to keep you waiting one second longer. Here is my intimate and heart-expanding conversation with the radiant Emma Campania, also known as Real with Emma. Let's go. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like it's been a long time since I've been interviewed for a podcast and I've been interviewing so many different people. I mean, obviously, you know how it is with running a podcast, trying to get episodes out. So I'm just excited to like sit back and have a good conversation. So I'm so excited. So I was just telling you before I officially started recording that I've been following you online for a while now. And I just have to say that you're just the real deal. I don't know how else to say (laughs) it. And I think that to me, that is what is so appealing and attractive about you is that you truly practice what you preach and you live up to your brand real with. It's a total breath of fresh air just to witness you. Oh my gosh. That is such a nice compliment. So thank you. I I think being able to be real and be transparent is something that I've kind of naturally been gifted with. And I think it used to get me in trouble a lot. Mm-hmm. And so there's been this balance of learning how to be open and be real while also protecting myself and protecting my energy. But I think the people who resonate with with the brand and just with the mission, it's Mm -hmm. when I get to connect with somebody who's like, oh, I love how you're so open and vulnerable. I just always know it's going to be such a pure connection. So I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also what I love too is it just feels like you know exactly what you're going to get. Right. I think a lot of times, and I don't mean I'm not throwing shade at all because I know existing on the internet is really hard. We want to put our best selves out there. And that makes sense to me. But what I love so much is like you'll post pictures of you like mid tears or mid mental breakdown or anxiety attack. And to me, even though like for some that might be like hard to witness, I think more often than not, people are like, oh my God, she's such a mirror. Like, it's almost like this huge gift that you're willing to be the one to be like, okay, I'll wipe my hands clean and I'll show you the messy bits. And I'll talk about this again, but it kind of just like gives us, like everyone else who's witnessing you, this permission to sort of do the same and to be like, Mm -hmm. it's okay to do that, you know? And the, the internet is actually a better place for that when we can see all, not just some. Yeah. Well, thank you. I that's actually the exact intention that I have and I I use the word mirror so mm-hmm. much in my practice with clients, yes, but also just in life when I'm talking with friends, when I'm talking with anyone in my community, with my sister especially, I think we're all here to be mirrors for one another and that's how we grow and evolve and it's truly one of the foundational parts of my practice is I love working with women intimately, like small groups of women. And when you get them to start speaking about their truth, everyone else sitting at the table, well, it's like a virtual Zoom table, all of a sudden their wheels get turning and they start thinking about their truth. And that's where real healing comes in because as you're accepting your truth, you're doing it with more compassion and with more acceptance because of the situation 
that was the catalyst for that, that reflection, because you're seeing Mm -hmm. someone else and you're showing them compassion. So it's easier to show it to yourself too. Mm -hmm, Totally. And I think that we all know in the heart of hearts, we know that we're not in any of this alone. We know that there's always somebody out there who's going through the same thing, but to see the proof is radical. It's like such an awakening when you can actually look somebody in the eye or hear someone say basically the same thing that you're going through. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And again, I keep saying this, we'll talk about this, but that's a lot of what I admire so much about the work that you do. So before we get into that, you've had seasons like so many of us where life has shaken you to your core. And before you reach this awakening, we'll call it, and this calling to help so many, you first had to come to terms with helping yourself. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about this experience that you had, the darkness that you went through Mm -hmm. and what that both looked like and as best as you can articulate it, what that felt like internally and externally and ultimately how you ended up finding the light at the end of all of that? Yeah, that's such a great way. Like you just articulated that question so beautifully. I... It's interesting because I'm sure, as you know, there are so many things that went into the darkness that I felt within myself. I think as a young girl, I'm the second oldest of four kids. We have a very passionate, loud, crazy house. Everyone is always telling each other how they feel. It was very chaotic. And I just remember growing up in like the suburbs of Boston and I don't know, just the world that I felt like I was participating in was very competitive. It was, what are you good at? That's your worth. And I was the athlete in the Mm -hmm. family. And so very quickly from a young age, I was the little girl who could do more push-ups than her brothers. And I was being asked to like race people at the park to show off how fast I could be. And people would look at my little muscular body and be like, Oh, why aren't you a gymnast? Or like, what other sports do you play? And are you going to go to college? Are you going to get yourself a scholarship? It was just like my world very quickly became Emma, the athlete. And I think like my older brother carried a lot of resentment about that. Cause like he wanted to be an athlete too, mm-hmm. but it just necessarily wasn't at the same level as me. So like our relationship got strained when I talked to my younger sister, she's like, I mean, yeah, Emma, I grew up my whole life being like, I'll never be the athlete that Emma was. Mm -hmm. And so she decided to do something else. She decided to focus on school and the arts and her creative side, which everything is very divine. But I would say once I got to high school, that's when I really started focusing on my body and resenting the fact that, yes, I was a really good athlete. Yes, I had this muscle. Yes, people are always telling me how strong I look but that didn't feel sexy. That didn't feel cute Mm -hmm. for like a 15 year old Mm -hmm. little girl. And so this is when the self-loathing started to come into play. And if you ask my mom, if you ask my sister, even my friends in high school, like back to school shopping, getting ready to go out, it would take me hours because I would be cursing how big my thighs were, my quads were, and I'd be mad that I didn't have boobs yet. And just, I was so consumed in lack. It was like, why aren't I different? Why don't I have a different body? Why don't I? And that's when the eating disorder, I would say began was later on in high school. When I started manipulating food, I would restrict and then I would binge. There were girls at my school taking like fat burning pills. And mm-hmm. I like dabbled with that, like hydroxy cut, like you'd literally go to see. Oh my God. I forgot about that stuff. Yes. 
Yeah. Make you spend your entire like week's allowance on, on hydroxy cut or like something so stupid. And I think high school was when I really began to realize that my big personality wasn't widely accepted by everybody. I -hmm. had a few friends at the time who I now realize were never really my friends, you know, but like you're in high school, you have a big group of friends, the Mm -hmm. ones who just always disagreed with you or always made you feel bad about who you were. And I think through that, I like listened. I was actually really open and empathetic and was like, oh my gosh, I'm a Sagittarius through and through. I know that you like astrology. (laughs) Um, So I'm very honest. I'm very blunt. I'm very transparent. And people would call me a bitch. You're such a bitch, Emma. Like, you're just so mean. Like, you're just, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that. And it ended up just making me feel like I don't even know how to contribute to these friendships anymore because I feel like who I'm really being, they don't know that I'm kidding or they don't know that I'm being somewhat liked or I'm trying to just be myself. And I think that's when I started really overanalyzing how I contributed to conversations. And so when you take, being obsessively mindful about what you're saying. And Mm -hmm. then you take not really liking your body. You take the culture of the world that we lived in. By the time I got to college, I just was like, I'm going to completely reinvent myself. I'm going to be somebody totally different. And I played division one field hockey in college. So that was brutal to say the least. And my physical appearance got even more muscular and more of this. So the self-loathing continued But I think the darkness for me was just this like evolution of learning to hate myself and always reaching for a diet or a trend or I would see some girl that everyone really liked. And I was like, well, what parts of her do they like? Like, do I need to act? It was all acting. It was, again, manipulation. It was obsession. And it all came from just wanting to be loved and wanting to be worthy and wanting to be accepted. I was just looking in all the wrong places. And I know that that was like very long winded, but no, it was beautiful. uh, Yeah. The, um, the moment for me that everything really started to change, like the catalyst was actually my own health. So after I graduated from college, I coached field hockey collegiately for a little bit at Boston college. And then I went to get my master's in New York for sports nutrition and exercise physiology. And this is when my eating disorder, I mean, it was full blown at that point. I was bulimic. I was in these really intense cycles of restricting and then binging, getting myself sick, just self-isolating, not really trying to make friends, not going out, just like going to work, working out for like three hours a day, coming home and watching, I don't know, like Gilmore Girls or something on Netflix. Control, so I just, like full control, whatever yes. you could control. Yep managed to just fall asleep. And it was, you know, it was just this really dark cycle and I felt so alone. And my entire life, I had really bad issues in my, in my gut, not knowing that it was even called the gut. I was just like, it's really this like upper abdomen pain. And all through college, I saw doctors, they were like, we don't see anything in your colonoscopy and your endoscopy. Like here's some anti-inflammatories go go on your way. But by the time that I was, I think this was like, I was 23 years old living alone in New York my my pain was so bad. I never went to the bathroom. I was chronically constipated. Mm-hmm. I was doing like enemas and drinking Miralax every day to try and get myself to go to the bathroom. This is pre me being in the holistic world as well, not knowing that I was just further damaging my gut. And 
this is when I started being like, okay, like, let me start listening to more podcasts on health, on like skin. Again, really coming at it from that egocentric vanity. Mm -hmm. I want to have pretty skin. I want to be thin. All these girls are now talking about green juice and gut health. So I'm going to get on board so that I can be perfect. Not knowing that that would then be the catalyst for this massive spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. So through listening to all these podcasts, moving back home, moving in with my now fiance, then I began to realize and connect the dots between gut health and realized I had SIBO. I got treated for that. And then it was 2019, right before the pandemic, I had started Real with Emma. I had gone back to school for health coaching and that's when the spiritual awakening dropped in. And that is when just like every, like this can of work, it was just, it was like that missing piece to the puzzle because I had started to try and heal. But again, it was all for the ego. I wanted to heal to be perfect. I wanted to heal. So I'd be pretty. I wanted to heal. So I'd lose the weight or have the energy back. Like it was still rooted in lack. It was still rooted Mm -hmm. in fear, but the spiritual awakening is what gave me that lens of love that now allows me to continue working on myself, not to be perfect, but just to be more of like an active participant in my life. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) that, that whole story just makes me so emotional a because it's like obviously I just want to like jump through the screen and Mm -hmm. hug young Emma but I think I'll just say I hate to to you know generalize by gender but Mm. woman to woman it's like I see so much of myself in the things that you're saying but what's so crazy is like I know your backstory but obviously I wanted you on the podcast to really do a deep dive because as you've just proven, I, I know there's so much magic and and like stuff in there that so many of us will benefit from. And I just want to take a moment to say that within that last five minutes, like I feel like I just did because it's mm-hmm. so funny how we can bury old feelings and old traumas and old beliefs that we've had about ourselves and like forget about them. And you just brought up so much and not in a negative way, but like so much of what my younger self mm-hmm. went through and felt like, and like disassociating from your inner, like your true self, because your quote unquote friends said mm-hmm. you were too much. Or for me, it was that I was too agreeable. Like I was a follower and I was like, well, I'm just trying to chill, mm-hmm. you know, to be accepted. Like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So like, I just didn't speak my mind ever because I was afraid that if I did, you know, you'd get the lash back. So I was like mm-hmm. such this little follower and peacemaker, but like they didn't like that either. Um, but just, I just want to say thank you for sharing that in such a beautiful, mm-hmm. elegant way, because I know if I can see myself in that, there are so many other people that are going to be able to do the same. Um, that story pings something for me that you wrote that I actually saved that I wanted to read, if that's okay. Yes. Um, I thought it was so fucking beautiful. You wrote this on your website and you said, my battle with darkness is what unlocked my ability to find the light. Turning my pain into poetry has been the key to my healing and my evolution. It's the foundational energy that allows me to help others. And it was through my own quest to become my best self that I was able to see this journey to self-love is not an easy one. It's not simple or black and white or linear. It's messy. It's heavy sticky and uncomfortable, but it's the most rewarding work that you'll ever do. 
And this just gives me chills all over my body. And if I'm being (laughs) brutally honest, it also makes me feel a little like melancholy, if that's the right word. It, It radically makes me miss this old version of myself of when I felt like I had so easily been able to turn my own pain and grief into purpose mm-hmm. and to know myself so deep to the core that not much could shake me. It was just the natural way in which I existed. I woke up and that is how I existed. It was my flow. And now I would say within the last like year and a half, not so much. Mm. I, I don't know where she went. So mm-hmm. my question for you is this, when you feel yourself begin to disassociate and disconnect from your truest inner self, the Emma that you know now and the Emma that you've worked so hard to connect with now, how do you find your way back to her? Mm, I I just, first of all, I just want to say when you read that back to me, I started crying mm. and I think, um, and I get chills and they're, they're truth bumps because words hold power and they hold emotion. And I just remember typing that and and feeling that so deeply. I must've written that years ago, probably from my first website. But to answer your question, and I can answer it so honestly, because I've been going through this recently, right? That first version of me that emerged during like the 2020 pandemic, when I had to stop nannying and I had to go full-time with Real With Emma, like there was there, I had to do what I set out to do, right? Like I had to go full time with Real With Emma. And at that point, it was straight up just holistic health coaching. I hadn't really felt comfortable enough to bring my spirituality into my practice at that point because I was still figuring out like what it meant for me mm-hmm. to be a spiritual being. And I I was just like consuming a lot and trying to learn a lot and grow a lot. But from that point, like that version of me who was like, this is me. This is what I've been waiting for. Like I'm here. I've arrived oh, there have been so many other versions of her that have existed. And I think this actually dropped in for me a few weeks ago with a client who was talking about feeling disconnected. And I was like, you know what? The only thing that keeps you disconnected is the belief that you ever could be. Because when you think about it, we there is so much energy that we don't see. We are surrounded mm-hmm. by maybe it's our angels, our guides, like our higher self, like there's so much energy that we don't see. And so unless for a lot of people, you're sitting down every day to meditate, to journal, to do this, you're sitting down with the intention to like plug into the energy. We end up walking around thinking that we're not connected unless we choose to be. Mm -hmm. But the truth is we're always connected always, always, always connected. And the only thing that keeps us in that state of like, I'm disconnected is just believing that you could be disconnected. So is there within that, sorry to interrupt you, but Mm -hmm. what came to mind is like, I can speak from personal experience is like the rigidity of feeling like in order to stay connected, I have to sit down and I have to journal or I have to pull a card or I have to do X, Y, and Z. So is what you're ultimately saying that is kind of made up in our minds. Like we are already connected to divine or to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Those things are only helpful if we truly believe them to be. They're not what keeps us. They Uh, are, yeah, those are the tools, but we are the magic. I love that. Oh, that gave me chills. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so, but, but, and so to, to bring this back to finding yourself, I think we all, especially as women, we have been conditioned to use vocabulary, like find our way back, go back, 
find it again Mm -hmm. instead of moving forward. Who am I today? Who am I going to be tomorrow? The version of you that you have on this pedestal of she had it all together, that was just you in a moment of time. That that energy is always accessible to you, but you're not going to ever be her again. She existed and was probably a catalyst for so many beautiful things in your life. But again, as women, it's always like, I got to go back. I got to go back. I got to go back. But it's like, when you start adopting the mindset of every single day I'm evolving, every single day I have an opportunity to meet myself so Mm. clearly where I'm at. And maybe when you do tap in and tune in in the morning and you meet yourself, maybe you're not in a great place. That's okay. But a lot of times on the spiritual path, we start judging so heavily when we feel misaligned, when we feel that sense of disconnection, we start judging ourselves and shaming ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I just had someone in my DMs this morning saying, hi, I'm not sure if you have enough time to respond to me, but I've been avoiding your content the past few months because I've been going through it. And I knew that if I consumed you, it would shake me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be shaken. I was drinking. I was numbing. I didn't work out. I didn't meditate. I just fell into this like she said it was like a two or three months, just like spiral. And she's like, but now I'm reaching out to you because I don't know how to get through it. I, and now I feel so guilty. And it's, it's this constant balance for us of when we go to all or nothing, Mm -hmm. when we put spirituality on a pedestal, when we put those tools on a pedestal, when we put that best version of ourselves on a pedestal, we make it all so unachievable Mm -hmm. and we make it so hard to just, exist and coast through a day being completely aligned and completely connected, maybe without meditating, maybe Mm -hmm. without journaling, but just feeling like, oh, it's me. I'm here. This is my life. This is my Mm -hmm. body. I'm going to participate in my world. What do I feel like doing? What do I need to do? You know, what would feel really nourishing for me right now? Mm -hmm. That that is more spiritual than someone who decides to sit down every day to meditate for 20 minutes, but then goes on autopilot for the rest of their day and, you know, and doesn't think or reflect or are mindful or carries the perspective of love. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, we have to find our own version of what makes us feel good and almost stripping away all of those really like the buzzwords that Mm -hmm. I use so much in my business, like Mm -hmm. alignment, connection, embodiment, like they're all well and good, but at the end of the day, they can prevent some people from achieving them because they think it's it's something bigger than it really is. Yeah, that's so well put. And so going back to that woman who DM'd you, first of all, if she is listening, I just want to say like the first thought that came to mind was like, she is fucking wise, first of all, to be like, <laughs> love Emma, can't take Emma right now um, mm-hmm. because I have to really feel my feelings and go through the shit. Mm-hmm. That to me is really spiritual, actually. To be wise enough and mindful enough to be like, nope, going through some really dark mud. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to like do some spiritual bypassing around mm-hmm. this. I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to accept it. And the fact that she had the wherewithal and the ability to message you and actually type those things and put it out into the ethers, I think is so fucking beautiful. I love mm-hmm. when people sit in the shit. And like really sink into it because on the other side of that, like you were saying, like then she's going to be ready and she's going to have like dealt with that, that darkness Mm -hmm. instead of just like pushing it under the rug. I just wanted to give that 
Yeah. It's, it's moment because I thought that was really, really beautiful. Absolutely. Um, what do you think then? So going back to what all the things that you were saying, something that also came to mind, which is again, personal, um, is the obsession with remembrance. So like, for example, like in 2018 is when I had my first experience of like, oh my God, the ultimate point to all of this is love. And we are all one. It is, unless you have actually felt that truth, it is so hard to explain. Even just talking about it gives me like sweaty palms. Mm -hmm. I have found myself when I'm in seasons of like discontentment or even just like, I, I miss, I miss feeling that reality. I miss that being my reality of waking up and like looking at people on the street and being like, oh my God, we're the same. There is nothing different between us. Mm-hmm. How do you avoid going down that rabbit hole of, I'm going to coin it, obsessive remembrance instead of just, like, is there a way just to sort of like float back to that and just meet yourself where you were at without obsessing mm-hmm. over, like, this feels exactly like it felt in 2018? Mm-hmm. I think, mm, I I truly believe that, Every time we experience something, it can and should feel a little bit different. And I remember mm. what you're talking like I know what you're talking about, that first awakening of like, it's all love. And like it's just, it's all love. Like we're all just here for love. And mm-hmm. when, you know, if I go on TikTok and I'm I'm preaching, I'm 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 saying like, guys, like do things for yourself out of love, not out of fear. You might be doing all the right things, checking all the boxes off, but are you still doing it? for the ego, for the vanity, for the perfectionism, like do it out of love for yourself. There are going to be those people who come knocking at your door and like, mm-hmm. don't get it and don't see it. So when you are able to connect with someone who's like, yes, love, like I get it, what love truly means and what it is, it's an energy more than a feeling, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so true. So I, to like answer that question. And again, I just, I, when I answer questions, it's not that I know the answer. I just start talking and no, it's like, like, yeah, totally. That's why you're here. (laughs) It's not like I have this like bank of like, oh, like what do I usually say? Like sometimes I really have to sit with that. And I think when it comes to like, like who I am now, and this like almost makes me emotional. I am so much happier now than I've ever been. I feel the most grateful for my life. I feel just and the thing is, when it, when I, when we look at my business, when we look at all these things, it's not like they're all perfect. It's not like I hit all these massive milestones. I just began to really understand the power of being where your feet are and the power of presence mm-hmm. and how you can move through your life as this divine, spiritual, pure love and light being, but just allowing it to be for you, like in just for you. So yeah. I think in the evolution of ourselves and our soul, that first feeling, that first awakening, we're never going to experience that again. We might experience things that are better. We might experience the same type of, you know, come to Jesus moment, but it just, it feels different or it's the, mm-hmm. the catalyst was different. And I think that's the point. I think we're supposed to continue meeting ourselves in these new experiences and like, what's important to me now? What mm-hmm. would make my life feel even better now? Maybe the whole, we're all love isn't where you need to be right now. Maybe you need to be 
my coffee is so fucking good this morning. Maybe that's where you need to be. And I think that's where I've gotten is I used to focus so much on these big, large things like world, collective, totally. consciousness. And now I'm like, my coffee's great. I love our Christmas tree. I love my dogs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm getting a little bit closer to like myself and really enjoying the process of loving my life and not trying to put all of my love and all of my energy into like these big themes, big pictures, all these people, all these places. You know what I mean? I used to spend so much time consuming large spiritual perspectives and lessons and ideologies. And then I would try and carry those throughout the whole day. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And now when I drive, I'm like, Angel number. I'm like one 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 four 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 seven seven seven. And I'm just like cool. <laughs> yeah. Versus before, I was like, what does one 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 mean? Like what? Mm-hmm. And I was just taking it all, and I was making it a job that yep. eventually you get tired of doing. Yeah. But when you like release the need for it to look a certain way, and you just get down to like the simplest part of it all, which is you have flesh. You're in a body. This is your life. Like, look around your life. Look at all of the things that you've collected. Look at the place that you live. Like, that is my current awakening is like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I have a life and it's so fucking beautiful. And so I think allowing yourself to continue having these mini awakenings in all of these different facets of yourself and life and emotions. And right now it's really for me, like the physical life Mm -hmm. that I'm living. Mm -hmm. I've had awakenings around relationships. I've had awakenings around sex and pleasure. I've had awakenings right around all these different things. And so for anyone who's listening, like I, I ask too. I wake up in the morning and I'll ask the universe, like, show me what I, show me what I need to see today or give me a miracle, even the smallest of miracles. And I remember asking this last week, And I got this like ping, like go to a coffee shop and do some work. And then I realized I don't want coffee because I'm in my luteal phase. I want a matcha. And I was like, where am I going to get matcha in town? Right. So this is just like, you get one ping, but it leads you where you need to go. I end up finding, I Google it. I find this one place with matcha. It's this like little German shop, coffee shop. And as I'm walking into it, this woman on the street stops me and she's like, hi, I, I'm so sorry, but like, I really need help right now. And I was like, absolutely. What do you need? She was just like looking for a building, but like, didn't even know how to use her iPhone. So I Mm -hmm. ended up like finding her this place, like walking her there. And I realized like, Oh, I was the miracle today. Little miracle. That's what the universe was showing me. Right. So you can always ask for it, ask for the guidance, ask for the clarity, ask for the moment of true. Oh, I'm here and you'll get it. You just have to be willing to follow your intuition Mm -hmm. and let go of the shoulds. Because if I if I was more focused on doing the right thing that day, that never would have happened because I would have stayed home and I would have, you know, just sunk into my laptop, put my nose down and grinded out the day. But instead I was like, you know, I really just feel called to go do this. Mm -hmm. And through doing that, I got a beautiful moment with a complete stranger that like, did it change my life? No. But was it just a positive reminder that miracles are always possible? Absolutely. That feels like such a gift that you just gave to me and to everyone who's listening because it felt like this permission to sort of just release all of the macro and -hmm. instead focus on the micro and make magic out of the little micro things in life. I love that. I'm going to start today because Mm -hmm. you're so dead on. It's like every morning I wake up and I'm not like, 
show me what you want me to see today. I'm like, show me what I'm supposed to do with my life. You know, it's like this grand thing. And like, who Mm -hmm. can carry that all day, every day? As beautiful as that is, as like open as you are to receiving the answer, it's like your whole day then is focused on this like big magnitude. Like you said, if I see two, 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 I'm like, okay, well, how is that applying to me today? And like the rest of my whole life, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just like, oh, that feels like a little gift. Thank you. You know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, exactly. I love the sort of like, it's almost like being rebellious, but the pattern breaking and lineage busting, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, I know I'm not trying to say that I'm super good at it. I think we're all kind of a work in progress with this, but my desire for it is so strong. And whether it's, you know, conditioning from society or familial roles, ancestral trauma, Mm -hmm. um, gender stereotyping. It's intense work to untie ourselves from all of the bullshit, but it's super powerful work. So can you share your personal opinions and experience on this subject? So the importance of untangling ourselves from this web and just the after effects that can result from it when we've sort of reclaimed ourselves and mm-hmm. yeah, done that lineage busting. Oh my gosh. I talk about this so much, so much with my clients. And I think the beautiful part is we're already doing it. Like we're literally here to end karmic cycles. Mm-hmm. We are here doing all of the things that our mothers and their mothers and their mothers and their mothers never had the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. And just by us having this conversation, we're doing it. Just by us choosing to start a podcast, to start this page, to dress the way we want to dress, to say what we want to say. We are literally, like you said, that web of of toxicity, of rules, of structure, of do's and don'ts. And we're untangling that every time we make a choice to honor ourselves and what we want in that moment. And I think something that gets kind of like lost in translation is people think that, you know, like feminism is not being feminine and like Mm, feminine mm -hmm. is like, is like fucking like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to stay at home. I'm not going to be a mom. I'm, I'm going to have my own career. But it's like, that's, that's really not how I believe it to be. I don't think that that's where it's truly, where it should be rooted in. I think it's the reclaiming of what it means to be feminine. It's the reclaiming of, of just because I choose to be the nurturer, because I choose to be the expressor because I choose to embody this energy that doesn't make me less powerful. That doesn't make me less weak. Part of the feminine is also like the sacred wild woman, the rage that we have Mm -hmm. within us. Like there are so many different archetypes that live within women. And I think those are the archetypes that have been suppressed. And the only ones that were allowed to exist was like the martyr, (laughs) the woman who is a martyr and the mother right? Like Mm -hmm. we like you when you nurse your children and we like you when you do what we tell you to do. And other than that, sit down and shut the fuck up. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Yes, you are. (laughs) I've only done it a thousand times. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, And so I think, you know, me and my mom are very, very close. I don't know if you are also into human design. Oh yeah. Projecting through and through. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I'm a six, two. My mom is also a six, two line in that it's a, it's a unique line because the six lives their first 30 years as the three line, which is a lot of trial and error, a lot of being put on a pedestal, being knocked off, just like 
navigating a sea of turbulence basically. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of, at the age of 30, it's called going up on the roof. You start to observe your life more. And then at 50, you come off the roof, you step into your wise woman. And like, we're meant to be mentors, leaders, teachers in some capacity. It doesn't have to be, you know, broad, like to the whole world, Mm -hmm. but just in some light, in some way. So me and my mom are very much like connected. And part of me feels like we may be like the fragment of the same soul or like there's some type of, because I have moments where I'll talk and I feel like I am her. Wow. And you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And not like, ah, like I'm, I'm just like my mother. Like I genuinely feel myself morph into her. We look very similar. Mm -hmm. And you know, even just working with my energy healer, like me and my mom, me and my sister, we've had so many lifetimes together. My sister's Mm -hmm. like my soul mate. Like Mm -hmm. we do life together every single time, whether we're sisters, we're brothers. I've been her mom before, like in past lives. But with my mom, it's like, I see, and she sees so clearly. And she said it. She's like, I feel like my job is to birth the two of you into this world. You're doing more than I ever could. And so for her, you know, like in her sixties, it's like, she's just now starting to step into this energy of like, I'm my own person. I'm not just a wife. I'm not just a mother right? Being a mother of four, having a traditional marriage, coming from, she was one of six children, same with my dad. She's seeing all the patterns that me and my sister are breaking that she always wanted to, but never felt like she had enough power to. So she speaks to that a lot. Then when we look at like her mom and my great, great grandmother and all of this, a lot of it has to do with just even using your voice, speaking your truth. It's, it comes down to like those simplest of things. And Mm -hmm. so the more that we just start to do that, we start to think outside the box. We start to embody our truest self, our soul's essence, which you Mm -hmm. learn so much about through tools like human design and astrology. And human design, my largest gift is to question the status quo and authority, like to Mm -hmm. look at it and be like, why? Mm -hmm. Why are we doing it that way? And not just like to certain systems, like to authority figures, you, why? Right. And I did that my entire life growing up and it always got me in so much trouble. Teachers, I bet the teachers kids. loved you. Oh yeah. my God. No. Like, and that's the thing is yeah. I have so much trauma with authority. Uh-huh. I just assume that if you're in charge, you're going to fucking hate me. Like I yeah. just assume yeah. that now. Right? right. But I think when you, when you just do that, like you, mm-hmm. you're actively breaking those cycles, totally. closing certain cycles. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, when we think about the children that we're going to bring into this world, like the power that they'll have because we were willing. Mm -hmm. And when I think of my mom, I'm like, you don't give yourself enough credit because you raised two girls who are not scared to say what they think. And she always invited us to, like, we were, my mom does not give herself enough credit at all. Like we could always go to her with Mm -hmm. anything. We were in trouble. I got arrested. This boy did this to me. Like she was just always there and was always just rooting for us. Like, rooting for us to be powerful, not pressuring us, just truly being so supportive. And I think that was her doing her job. That was her breaking cycles too. And that's the type of thing that people don't always recognize. And they think it has to be big. It has to be like, I have to leave my marriage. I have to get divorced. I have to start this. I have to quit my job or I have to start a business. And it, again, it's, that seems like the theme of this episode is like, why are we always just looking at the macro? Like it doesn't have to be so big and so heavy there are 
teeny tiny ways and moments that we are doing what we came here to do during our day. We just tend to overlook it. Mm-hmm. Totally. I remember, so I've had a few medium readings. I've had a lot in my life, mm-hmm. but I've had a few where my great grandma Ruth comes through, which is so funny because she was a part of my life, but she was always just like the one giggling in the corner, like come sit on my lap, like nothing really profound, no big conversations. Cause I was probably like 12, I think when she passed, but she comes up all the time through these mediums. And they're like, she lives vicariously through you because you're mm. doing all of the things that she never got to do. Chills. And yeah. And it wasn't until the last most recent time that she came through that I was like, oh my God, she's talking about like lineage stuff. She's talking about like, I am becoming the woman that she never, I don't want to say that she wasn't brave, right? Because of course she was, but she didn't feel like she had the ability or the freedom to speak louder or to travel or to, you know, Mm -hmm. share her full life. It was so compartmentalized. And I just think that that's really beautiful. And whenever I start to sort of silence myself or shy away, even from sharing what I want to share on Instagram or talking about hard things, I try and focus on her and think of her and like doing this for her. And Mm -hmm. like you said, like doing this for our future kids, like how dope that they'll be able to like look at our, I mean, I don't know what Instagram is going to be when we have kids, but just to sort of see what we've put out into the world and be like, oh my God, mom was a force, you know? Yes. And like, Mm -hmm. I get to be a force because mom felt free enough to be a force. I think that Mm -hmm. is so well put. Yeah. Your mom sounds amazing. She is. She comes to every single masterclass, every single Mm -hmm. event that I host. Oh my God. She is like, yeah, I get emotional thinking about my mom, but also like we have such a tumultuous relationship because we mm-hmm. are mirrors so similar. Like, yeah, I know that I trigger her to no fucking end mm-hmm. and she triggers me and like my sister. So I think I trigger my mom the most and my younger sister triggers me the most. Oh, that's and, so funny. Yeah. This and triangle. So, <laughs> yes. Navigating that yeah. is so interesting, but it's, I think when you get to that point where you just know that like we clearly chose to came here to come here together as a family, not for perfection, mm-hmm. but like I'm, we're going to fight and it's going to be hard, but like, we're literally helping each other heal. We're helping each other grow and evolve. And so when you can kind of carry that lens and that perspective with yourself, especially into the holiday season, when you're around family, I just, I know for totally. so many people, it can be so heavy and so triggering. Like that's the point. Like, can you embody the version of yourself that is totally fine with who they are, no matter what anyone says, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's so many challenges. And I always say that like opportunities are being handed to us on silver platters every moment of every day. We just don't recognize them very often. Like, oh, the universe is asking me to embody confidence. It's asking me to embody courage. It's asking me to embody love or whatever it is. And for me, when I started looking at triggers as that versus, oh my God, like I'm a terrible person for feeling this way. Like I used to shame myself for being triggered. Whereas Mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, it's because I need to look at something. Yeah. Meet myself somewhere and like work on this a little bit. Cause if I don't like feeling like this, I don't need to judge myself, shame myself. Like you said, sweep it under the rug. Like I need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. It's not a weakness. It's a wake up call. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be huge, but you're just like, oh yeah, there's something there. Something. Yep. It's like, I always try and envision a trigger as like a tap on the shoulder of like, yes. something's off. Like, what mm-hmm. is it? 
So you going back just a little, what caused you to say, there's more to me than this. I am more than Emma, the athlete, and then actually doing something about it. Like, what was that? If you can pinpoint it, what was that moment of like, can't do this anymore. I am more than this. I think what's interesting is that's not necessarily how it happened. It was mm. more like I went and got my master's in sports nutrition while being a graduate assistant for a field hockey team. So I was, co- right. I played field hockey division one in college. I was coaching division one field hockey. And for a long time, I was like, I'm going to be a field hockey coach. I'm going to be a sports nutritionist. Like that sport athlete was still in my system. Like I have to do something associated with sport. Cause that's all people know me for. And then it wasn't until I moved from New York to Portsmouth to live with my now fiance, Casey at the time that I was like, okay, so I have my master's. I'm sick as fuck. Right. I want to go back to school for holistic health and wellness because when I learned about SIBO, I started healing myself and just listening to gut health podcasts. I was like, why didn't I learn any of this in my master's sports nutrition program? I was pissed. Mm -hmm. I was like fired up. So then when I decided to go into holistic health, I was like working at this boutique studio where I was like a manager. I ran the smoothie bar. I was a strength instructor. So again, still sports, still all of that. And when I first launched Real with Emma and Real with Wellness, Mm -hmm. it was like three different options. There was health coaching. There was like personal training and like sports wellness where I worked with teams. Like I worked with teams to do holistic sports nutrition. So I was like, I'm going to bring holistic health into the sport world. So like, that's how it all started. And then when the pandemic hit and all of that kind of got ripped away from me and I kind of realized I didn't want to keep pursuing it, what ended up happening, cause like it was spiritual awakening. It was all of this at once. It was almost like, I just forgot a little bit that that's what mm. I wanted. I was so oh, that's immersed. Cool. I was so immersed in like spirituality, this, that, and the other thing. And I was still talking a lot about working out on Real with Emma. I was still showing my workouts for the day. And here's how you can do whatever. Here's a great hit workout. And then it got to this point where I started to like, not like the past version of me, not like the the athlete. I realized that I had a super mm-hmm. disordered relationship to working out. And I was like, oh, I don't just have an eating disorder. I have a workout disorder. Like, you know, I was doing crazy things and not listening to my body and not allowing myself rest. So that was like this second tier of healing for me was realizing Mm. how I choose to move my body is not serving me. It's really disordered. It's twisted in the ego. It's still about perfectionism and looking a certain way. And when I realized that, I think it scared me so much that I've now been on like a four year journey. Well, so from the start now, I'm just now getting back into moving my body in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a healthy way, because it was like, I almost got scared and I like mm-hmm. pulled back. And so I didn't work out as much at all. Like stopped lifting weights, started doing more yoga, started doing more Pilates and began to, I think at first it was like abandonment of my previous self. And I've realized this a lot. I have no problem going back and reflecting on my past, but sometimes I don't do it with love. And I'm like, oh yeah, that version of me, she was so fucking toxic. Like she had an eating disorder and I'm like shitting on her. I'm shaming her. You could love her instead. Yes. Mm -hmm. I need to love her. And so I think that this past year I'm realizing I will not fully heal until I go make amends and make peace with the versions of me 
who were the darkest. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like, oh, you were dark, bye. It's like, you were dark, let me love you. Mm-hmm. And so that's been that piece now. So my relationship to like being an athlete, I don't consider myself an athlete at all anymore, but it was this like natural split that I think started from fear. But now I'm going back and doing a lot of of work with my past selves. Because when I work with my energy healer, I remember on our first call, it was clearly like inner child. She was like, I, your inner child is breathing fire. She is so angry. She is so angry. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what? Like, what could she possibly be angry about? Right. And it was like, she was angry for all of it. She was Mm -hmm. angry that I was still judging myself that I, as real with Emma who preaches love and acceptance, I was still judging the life Mm -hmm. that I had lived up until I was what, like 25 years old, 24 years old. So there's so much work that goes into it, but I think it all has to evolve naturally and there's no right or wrong way to heal. And I think it's like for people who are starting the journey when they listen or they look at someone who's like there or they Mm -hmm. would consider there, they're Mm -hmm. like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. One step, I just focused on the step in front of me and then the next one appeared and then the next one appeared. And that's really how it is. Like you can't map it out. You can't be like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. It's going to be like that tap on the shoulder. Like you were saying, like you're going to get triggered around something and it's going to make you realize a past version of yourself is probably the one doing the tapping and is like, Hey, like I'm here still. Do you have time for me now? And it typically happens very divinely. Oh, I love that so much. And like the visual I had too, what I think is so profound is like, I was waiting for this, this rock bottom answer. Right. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, it just, it was kind of like this, like gentle, it, it feels mm-hmm. gentle when you explain it almost like you're peeling like one strip of the banana, yep. one strip mm-hmm. of the banana, you know? And then, yeah, like having that, that remembrance and like looking back at that with, with love and compassion and not the shame. I think that's so, mm-hmm. so, so important. Speaking of that, as it pertains to self-guilt, I wanted to talk about enoughness when it comes to our careers, our homes, doing all the things. I struggle with this so much, being a projector in human Mm -hmm. design. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that it's aligned for me to rest more than the average human um, in order to have any chance of reaching homeostasis and just being a well-rounded human. So I also have deep triggers around being seen as lazy. So it's quite a dilemma, mm-hmm. um, especially because my husband is like a busy bee. I'm always like, oh my God. So you po- you released a podcast. Um, I thought my head was going to fall off because I was nodding so hard. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> you talked about how you became crippled. It was uh, one of your realness episodes. You became crippled because you had this whole day to do all the things ended up talking to Casey and like sobbing because you didn't do any of the things. And Mm -hmm. he's like, but you said you weren't going to do any of the things. That's the (laughs) point. And first of all, he is just, I just love him so much. He just sounds like such an amazing human being. And just the way that he tends to you is Mm -hmm. everything. Just want to give him a little shout out. It's so Mm -hmm. sweet. Yeah. Um, But I just felt you so deeply when you were sharing this experience. And I think I feel that way at least two times a week, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish I could just surrender to what is and I'm working on it. I wish I could say either is great, whether I do the things or I don't. I'm not more or less than because I did or I did not. I'm just human. So I just want to hear your response to that. Mm. And for anyone who is listening, 
honestly, first of all, check out Emma's podcast. It's so good. But this episode was so incredible and so human and relatable. Can you just talk about that particular day and sort of like Mm -hmm. what was going on? Yeah, I think as much as, you know, we want to be able to say like, I trust, I'm in surrender, like divine Mm -hmm. timing. Like I truly believe that to my core, but on a random Thursday when there's nothing on my schedule and I run my own business and I'm looking around the world and everyone's doing everything under the sun, I'm like, oh, Casey knew. He was like, Emma, you just launched like 48 motherfucking thousand programs this year. Like take, take a day. And I was like, I'm totally going to take the day. And then it just turned into me being like, well, I have a whole day. Like I might as well just record a podcast episode or like do this or do that. And I think I also have ADHD. I don't take any medication for it. I think how I view time sometimes can like bite me in the ass because I don't know how to use time well. Time management is very difficult for me. So like if I have a call at 10 and then nothing else until three, between 10 and three or 11 and three is lost. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it's going to look like, where it's going to go, how it's like, it just feels like vacant space for me. So that's another reason why I struggle with time. But on this particular day, I think I was just so like emotionally depleted in so many ways from doing so much, but I wanted it to be a high vibe, beautiful day. So I remember like waking up late and like talking in my stories and telling everybody like, this is whatever. And then I got caught doom scrolling. I got Mm. caught doom scrolling after, I don't even know what I had done. Maybe I went to like the grocery store. You probably know. I forget what I even say in my own podcast. (laughs) But the thing that I think I really learned from that, from that entire experience is more so the power that comes from like, yes, you can believe divine timing, but are you willing to believe your own intuition? Mm -hmm. Like I knew that I didn't need to do shit that day, Mm -hmm. but also I don't think I would have had that breakthrough and that, that moment of just sobbing and crying and, and being just like a mess and letting myself unravel Mm -hmm. if everything didn't happen in that particular order, if I hadn't Mm -hmm. put that pressure on myself. So like, I I look at that as a successful day because I learned a big lesson and got to share that story. But when it comes to feeling enough and doing enough, and especially for someone who's a projector who needs more rest, I think it's going to be less about trusting something that you feel like is outside of you, like divine timing or career or human design. Again, those are all like things mm-hmm. that that typically you would view as that's not who I am. Those are outside of me versus can I trust myself? Like, can I trust totally. my intuition? Clearly, this is my energy type. And also rest doesn't always have to look like laying on the couch. Like rest can look like so many different things. Anything that's rejuvenating, anything that's going to fill your cup, fill your tank. It could look like talking to somebody, gardening. It could look like going on a walk. It doesn't always mean like go lay down. That's so true. You know what I mean? And I think people, like I don't really rest by laying down. A lot of times my rest is like, talking in my Instagram stories or like, um, playing with my dogs or Mm -hmm. pulling tarot or like, you know, just, it's doing something that's not necessarily going to be draining me of energy. Resting your soul, not necessarily always needing to rest your body, but sometimes like our insides need that rest. I love what you said about, um, how that day ended up unfolding. Essentially what I'm hearing is that you're like, it, it, 
was perfect because that's what needed to happen. And I think that's so true again, not to like totally spoil the episode for anyone who wants to listen to it, but the full circle of that too, was like, you had this profound appreciation for your partnership with your fiance too, of like, Whoa, look at the way that we've learned to show up for each other. Mm -hmm. Like you being able to unravel and him being able to be okay with you unraveling and showing up for you Mm -hmm. in that space. I think that's so well said of just sort of trusting what your body needs Mm -hmm. to do. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Just a soft segue, but the pressure to create and the anxiousness and the sense of urgency to find our purpose. I feel like a year ago, I'll say, I used to be able to create with like reckless abandon without any hesitation. It just flowed. For me, this is writing, whether that's, you know, when I used to have a website or, you know, even just like on Instagram, that's probably my favorite is to just like create a post, have it be that like channeled writing coming from the gut. Mm-hmm. And I feel like lately there's been, and I'm I'm sure so many people can relate where you like hit this rut and you feel this like drastic, almost like an emptiness of like, do I really have nothing to share mm-hmm. out of everything that's going on in the world, in my mind, in my relationship, the experience of losing my dad, like all these things that have happened. Do I really have nothing to offer? What is that? And how do we... How do we sort of like swim out of that to tap back into that creative space? I feel that so deeply and I've had so many moments and even today I was journaling and I was thinking about, cause I have no idea what I'm doing in my business next year. Like I, I have one program that I'll launch again. And other than that, I'm like, mm-hmm. am I going to do master classes? Am I going to make some sort of membership? Am I going to do smaller things? Like what am I going to do? Nothing's mm-hmm. dropped in yet. I have all of these small ideas, but none of them have been this like, loud. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's it. But even as I was journaling, I was like kind of riddling off, like maybe I'll do this. And I started listing off the topics that I would talk about. And then I was like, what would I even fucking say about that? What would I even say about that? Mm -hmm. And so thinking about this podcast, like you've said so much, I've said so much, but if we had to sit down and someone says, talk to me about being enough, you'd be like, Um, what am I going to say about it? Right. (laughs) So I think a lot of times what I've learned this past year, especially is that some things are just supposed to be for you. And mm-hmm. as someone who made and makes a lot of my life lessons for my own self and for my community and for the collective, there are some things like when I'm all of a sudden in like a really quiet moment, like two or three weeks where I just not really making posts because my captions are also therapy for me. It's also mm-hmm. where I speak my truth and can write some really beautiful things. Like I read my own captions back and I'm like, totally was that? I do that too. Yeah. Clearly channeled. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes you have to get to this point where you're like, my energy might not be for anybody else right now. It's supposed to be going to me. So it's releasing the guilt around like, oh, I'm not producing for others. It's like, well, so what's actually happening? And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, if I don't want to be giving to others, like dot, 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 like maybe I should be giving to myself. Maybe this period of quiet is intentional for me. Mm-hmm. And my energy healer says this all the time because she's old school. She doesn't have a website. She doesn't have a booking link. It's like referral, text her, you hop on FaceTime for two hours, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have had to learn throughout my business that I'll have months where it's like 15 calls, 20 calls every week. I'm feeling great. And then I'll have like, I'll look at my schedule and I have like, 
four calls in a week. And I'm like, where did everyone go? And I think it's my own fault. But then when that week comes, I all of a sudden realize, fuck, like I'm drained. I couldn't Mm -hmm. have done 20 calls this week. So it's like the universe is actually trying to support you through the quiet. Totally. But we just project what we think needs to happen instead and end up missing the gift that's being given. So it's like, oh, when things are quiet, when you don't have much to share, maybe you're in a period of integration. Like you're doing your own integration now. So there is nothing to give. You're learning. Mm-hmm. You're going totally. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like my job, like lift my job <laughs> off the floor. It's so true. It's so mm-hmm. true. And just like looking at it more as a gift and not like a curse of like, I have nothing to share. Yep. I love that so much. I think a piece of it too, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I think a large piece of it honestly is comparison. I think it's especially with how much time that we spend online, it's so hard to not see this this woman doing this and this woman doing that and to be able to like consciously separate yourself mm-hmm. and your existence from theirs. Mm-hmm. Comparison's fucking scary in my opinion. It's a total trap. Is this something that you teach then yeah. yeah with your clients to just have you from. have you heard the um quote comparison is the thief of joy like that's it's you know so it, true it, it's a foundational part of of what I teach I have an entire module so my the program that was my cornerstone offer is now not anymore I've I've evolved mm-hmm. through that um but the real with project was my eight week course um, group program. And I had an entire week, an entire module just on comparison and judgment, just on comparison and judgment. And when I created it, I was like, this is going to be like that easy breezy week where like everyone watches the modules, they learn about it. We have a call on it. This was the week that like blew blew everyone up. They were like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? Like, I never thought about that way. I, I never understood it to be, to, to just, I never had this perspective before of comparison, how we can slowly start eliminating it, but also with judgment. Cause a lot of times they go hand in hand, you compare yourself to somebody and then you start judging yourself based off of that. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, they have more, which means I have less. Now I'm going to judge myself. They do this and I can't do that. I I'm not good enough. Now I'm going to judge myself. So it's like, they're a little bit like symbiotic in that way where they like, they like I just imagine like friction, like they just create so much Mm -hmm. heat when they're, when they're together and they're almost always together for people. And so when it comes to comparison, it really comes down to mindfulness, being mindful enough to catch yourself. Cause if you're just going around comparing yourself to people left and right, but you're not being mindful and like tapping in and tuning into your own thoughts and recognizing, Oh, wow. I'm comparing myself to somebody, then there's no opportunity to change that. There's no opportunity Mm -hmm. to change the narrative. There's no opportunity to like heal that. And that's how so many people get caught. And I think that was a huge part of my darkness was I was like, Mm -hmm. that girl has this. I don't. Should I try? Like it was all based off of comparing myself to other girls to, I mean, it's just to society in general. Right. Mm So comparison is something that you have to create boundaries around. So I have a lot of people muted on Instagram. I follow a lot of amazing healers, coaches, creatives, but almost all of them have been muted for at least a month or two throughout my course of of being in their community because they would trigger me or I would start putting them on a pedestal and drinking their Kool-Aid and thinking that I needed to be more like them. And the minute that I would catch myself thinking that they're better than me, I would have to meet them. 
Mm-hmm. Have to meet you. If I can't just be like, I love you. I see you. I think you're fucking amazing. I respect you. Totally. Like, that's beautiful. When it gets to, I think you're better than me. And now I feel less mute. I just, I have to get yeah. it out of my space because it's like social media is this pit, like endless pit of just energy, oh. other people's energy, their life, their accomplishments, their highlights, just everything. And like, we can't just think that exposing ourselves to that isn't going to have any repercussions. Totally. So I very much preach phone, like phone boundaries within your phone, like limit on the apps, um, who you're following, doing like a, a cleanup of who you follow, a cleanup of even who follows you, things like that. But more so when you start to compare, I think the best thing that you can do is just like plug back in to what makes you feel good about being you mm-hmm. because we all have this weird itch that we're like, we want to be so unique. Like who doesn't want to be known as she's so unique. She's so totally. different. She's so authentic yet we're willing to sacrifice that desire to be authentic, to fit in, to be more like them. So when we start feeling that itch of like, Oh, like they're doing better. They're doing more that it has to be this conscious thought of like, mm, coming back to self. What makes me, me? What do I want? What do I do? What separates me? And it's sharing like, your own unique pieces. It's like this reminder of like, Oh, you're admiring their uniqueness. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to share your own. Yes. And like, totally. there's, there's a lot of discipline that comes in. Like mm-hmm. to me, comparison and judgment isn't like, Oh, it'll heal itself. It's like, no, you heal that. Yeah. Like you, create new neural pathways in your brain by choosing better thoughts, by releasing certain things. And it's okay if you compare, it's okay if you judge, but what are you going to do after the comparison? This is always what I tell my clients. I'm like, there, you're going to have a million thoughts. We have 60,000 thoughts a day. That's okay. Like that's not who you are. You're not your thoughts. We all know that, but it's what are you doing when you hear them? Yes. Like when you are on Instagram and you see someone and you start comparing yourselves to them, Okay. But are you going to take action on that? Uh-huh. Are you going to go change who you are based off of that? Yeah. That's where people head down a slippery slope is when they take action from the comparison versus just going, oh, I caught myself comparing, whatever, on to the next. Mm. Like, just don't participate in the comparison. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be disciplined to let that shit go. Whereas I used to take action on it. Oh, they're doing this. Now I'm going to do this. Now they're doing that. Now I should do that. And like, or they're not doing this. I should stop doing this. Like, yeah, just stop taking action on the comparison and it won't have power over you anymore. Totally. Two things to say on that. One for myself, my husband and I have been um, in IVF for a, it'll be a year in January. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it, it's kind of like a mystery as to why we've been in this pool for so long. And so one of the things that I've had to mute a lot, obviously, pregnancy or mm-hmm. women with really small children. It's like such a trigger. Um, but also I thought it was healthy. Again, it's a mystery. So I don't have infertility. My husband has some, but I would find myself following all these accounts of women who do have infertility and being like, okay, well, they don't do this. They don't do this. They do do this. I would completely shape shift my life, my diet, my habits, mm-hmm. everything to match theirs. And then when a transfer wouldn't work, I'd be like, okay, well, that clearly didn't work. Like I have done all the things now mm-hmm. and I still don't have a baby. And so for me, I was like, delete, delete, like one day just hit this like yeah. wall and was like, this is not it. Mm-hmm. This 
comparison, this like trying to do all of the things just so is not it. And it made me forget. Literally, Jonathan was standing behind me and caught me and was like, he does not get mad, but he was like, you are not infertile. Like, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this to yourself? You literally created this false narrative mm-hmm. about something that's not even going on. Something that mm-hmm. doctors are telling you is not a reality. Yet here I was like spinning out of control. And I think that kind of leads me to this next point of like, with comparison, what you were talking about is you start to sort of chip away at what makes you who you are. And not only that, but like little things like what you like, what you like to eat, what you like to wear. Mm -hmm. Stupid example. Nothing makes me more anxious than like getting my nails done. I, I'm like, well, she has these. Could I pull mm-hmm. those off? Those are cool. Or like standing mm-hmm. there for 30 minutes and being like, I don't even know what color I like. Mm-hmm. Whoa. How mm-hmm. how do we, aside from like the muting, because I think that is so important and, and mandatory, honestly, to find that center and to get quiet. But when you've spent so much of your adult life as we have, you know, the internet has been around for as long as we've been able to really operate it. And mm-hmm. how do we sort of get back to center and say, okay, I want to still participate on social media. I'm going to mute these people, but how do I remember what it is that I actually like? Mm, I always send people back to their inner child because when we look at who we were at that age, it is a direct representation of our purest desires and interests. Like when I was a little girl, I would like sneak out of bed to watch the food channel and I would like have a notebook Mm. and I would like write down the recipes and I'd be like, mom, we have to make this Rachel Ray. Like I was obsessed with Rachel Ray. You know what I mean? Like loved food and would make my dad sports snacks and I would cut up all the fruit. And when he would do yard work, I would bring him like a big glass of water and all this fruit. Cause I was like, it's healthy. Like, you know, like and then that got lost somewhere yeah. throughout time that I re- and, and I wasn't as interested in food and in cooking and things like that. Whereas now that reconnection to food for me has been so soul fulfilling and soul nourishing. Yeah. But I think it's like this again. It's it's peeling back the layers, like you said. Sometimes you're not going to know what you truly like and desire until you start realizing I actually don't like that. And I always talk about our style, our wardrobe. Mm-hmm. When I look at pictures of how I dressed in college, I see how uncomfortable I am wearing the tight dress, wearing mm-hmm. the crop top in the little bandeau skirt that's literally a napkin, and I'm wearing heels to the bar. Like, but that's what everyone else is wearing. So that's mm-hmm. what I just decided to wear. And to me, I felt like an imposter. It didn't make me feel sexy to dress yeah. quote unquote sexy. What makes me feel sexy is like, now understanding and going through this this process of like reclaiming my style and my aesthetic is like it's a flowy dress or yeah. it's dressing like a tomboy. Like I mm-hmm. actually feel pretty sexy wearing like loose baggy jeans, a men's oversized button up and like a cute little crop top and like chunky jewelry. And when I look at pictures of my younger self, she's always wearing like she's like 90 bracelets on. My hair was down to my ass. I always wore it in two braids. I was like a little tomboy. Remember those like black stretchy chokers? Oh yeah. Like I had that always, you know what I mean? And I was obsessed with crystal jewelry. There was this one jewelry store in my town called Opal Sky. And my mom would take me there every year for my birthday and I'd get like a new pair of earrings, right? So like clearly I express myself through jewelry. Clearly I, cl- clearly I express myself through um, 
food and, and cooking and, and participating in that, but it got lost because of society and what I thought I should do. So it wasn't until I let go of all of that noise that I was mm-hmm. left with the vacancy. I was left with the space to play with of like, okay, well, what does feel good? What do I like? And I mean, we'd probably need a whole podcast episode to talk about like sex and intimacy mm-hmm. and what do I totally. actually like there, right? Yeah. But it's like there's so much conditioning that until you let go, you won't be able to like see what's underneath. It's like right. there's too much to cut through, too much programming and conditioning. And I should, the shoulds is what I call them. There's too, so many shoulds. Until you let go of that, you're not going to see what it is that's underneath it all. And so I, I'd say for people who like, or who am I? What am I like? That's where you have to just start spending more time with yourself. That's where you have to start testing the waters. Like try on a new style, mm-hmm. go somewhere else for dinner, order some something else off the menu, like hang out with new people. I've discovered more about myself through coffee dates than I ever thought imaginable. Just like grabbing coffee with a random person when I see who I am, how I feel, because they're mirroring so much to me, you see yourself clearer than ever when you're willing to go meet somebody and be open to the connection and just mm-hmm. being like, oh, you know, and standing your ground through conversations is something that a lot of women struggle with. And I, you said at the beginning, you're disagreeable. So it's like when you go in and you have this, this understanding of, I'm not just going to agree with everything they say, but I'm going to really ask myself, how does that make me feel? when they say that, when they share that, when we start talking about this, what does that stir up in me? What do I feel like contributing to this conversation? And as someone in my line of work, I think I really have this clear idea of who I am because I'm on client calls all day. Mm -hmm. I have all these people who are mirroring stuff to me. I'm mirroring stuff to them. These types of conversations I'm channeling, I'm flowing, I'm saying shit that I've never said before, but it makes total sense that's how I've gotten to know myself is just throwing myself into different situations, different people, different experiences without expectation. Mm -hmm. Like I have to prove myself to them or I have to make them like me, Mm -hmm. take it or leave it. I'm just going to show up and see what comes through. Mm -hmm. And that has been a very big like expander for me. I love that. That feels so um, like radical in a way in like this really appealing way of like you are it I mean I know you're talking to everyone listening but like hearing you say that to me I'm like oh okay she's challenging me to Mm -hmm. get out of my comfort zone and kind of just start from scratch be like this blank canvas Mm -hmm. and and start to remember not even remember but start to see what feels good. I love that. Even like the small tangible thing of like, go out to dinner and order something that you wouldn't normally get Mm -hmm. or go out to dinner and maybe don't get a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. See if that feels good, which Mm -hmm. again, that could be a whole other podcast episode too. (laughs) Um, The other thing too, talking about like, it's such a profound, it's, it's not small because revisiting your inner child can be really daunting and really heavy, but also really special and sweet. But two things that came to mind was like, oh my God, I want to post a picture of myself as a kid somewhere where I see it every day. One, mm-hmm. two, it makes me want to just go watch home videos and just absorb my energy Yep, being witnessed by my parents where I'm like in the safest mm-hmm. part of my life, you know, just being little and sort of see what resonates as an adult woman from that version of myself. 
last year, my older brother works in production and he finally took all of our VHS and put them onto like a little flash drive, all of our home videos. Amazing. And I had seen pictures, but yeah, like until I saw myself on camera, I was like, it's clear as day. I did not know that I was going to end up being <laughs> with Carolina is. Park. I totally. was like, hi, everybody. It's me. I was like the ringleader. <laughs> I had all of my siblings lined up. I was like, here's your script. Like we're putting on a performance. We're putting on a concert for mom and dad. I would just take control. Mm-hmm. And I think again, as you're a kid, and again, everything is so divine. Like I had to be put through certain situations. I had to have really awful teachers and authority figures come in, see my light, and try and put it out, right? Which happens so often in order to get where I am now. But when you mm-hmm. see yourself in your purest form as a child, you will see like, oh, there I am. There's my essence. And getting to see my siblings too, like hearing my totally. little sister, just, she just laughed at everything. She was the youngest of four. She was just sitting there giggling. And my brother, Matthew, kept trying to make her laugh. And my older brother, Joseph, was just like, he was just like making funny jokes, but then you could also see he was at that age, maybe like 12, where he was starting to look around and realize like, I'm not getting all the attention. Oh, Emma's yeah. getting the attention. Mm-hmm. Matthew's getting the attention. Lizzie's the youngest. She's the cutest. So he, you could see on these videos, we were all like, His wheels oh. turning. We were like, Joe, like, look at you. <laughs> you're all in your head right now. Like, cause he would just be like, yeah. like, and he'd sit back. Right. So I think you can start to see a lot of different things throughout, you know, your childhood. And for people who don't have home videos, it's not that you need them, but if you do have access to them, watch them because you'll, you'll rediscover. Oh, it's absolutely medicine. (laughs) Well, as we start to wrap up, there's one more thing that I Mm want to talk about. I wrote down another quote that you said, um, I've heard you say it multiple times, but it's, it's worth repeating here. So why you do something is far more important than how you do it. And mm-hmm. that fucking clicks. <laughs> and it all comes down to intention, right? I pride myself on living with deep intention and that's a cornerstone as to how I live my life. And my point and what I've learned from you and what I've seen from you is that it's wild how much fear can build up into our bones over time. And with deep-rooted fear comes deep-rooted trauma the longer that we let it suppress mm-hmm. build. And all of this at a time where I feel like, okay, specifically with the things I'm going through with IVF, I should feel so in tune with my body right now Mm -hmm. at a time where I've never been more aware of what she's doing and what's going on with my reproductive system. I've never been more afraid and that's fucked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do we flow from that place of fear into love. It sounds gorgeous. And I, I wish it were so easy, mm-hmm. but artwork is the hardest work. So lay it yeah. on me. How do we do that flow? Uh, people sleep on acceptance. They just do. People don't understand that acceptance is one of the vibrations that's in alignment with flow. Mm. So if you're scared, accepting what is, yep, I'm scared. Mm. I'm feeling fear. Maybe it is that okay. easy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like, we, tend to feel fear and then we judge ourselves or shame ourselves. And we're like, fuck, I'm feeling scared. I shouldn't be feeling. Mm. And then we just were spiraling in that dense suffering type, type emotion that, that vibrancy is, is connected to suffering. And that's when what we, makes us believe that it's complicated. Yes. And totally. when, when we just accept where we are, like I'm having a hard day. I'm feeling fear. 
I'm having a difficult time. And when we, cause you were talking about like, oh, how brave is it to just sit in the shit, like sit in the mm-hmm. ick. When you just accept where you are, acceptance is aligned with the frequency of flow. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, acceptance ushers in surrender, which ushers in clarity. Mm-hmm. And through this process of just like, oh, I'm going to accept myself almost always by like the end of that day, something will have dropped in for you. Because surrendering feels hard. Everyone's like, how, the, yeah. how am I supposed to surrender? What does it mean? Do I just stop? Am I supposed to just not do anything? Surrendering can be really difficult for people to grasp. Mm-hmm. Like brain, con- conceptually, like people struggle to grasp it. Yeah. But acceptance feels easy. We know how to accept something. It's like, oh, this is what it is. What am I going to do? That's so true. So when you accept something, you are then kind of... And, acceptance transcends into surrender, right? Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh, well I am where my feet are. This is where I'm at. That's surrender. It's no, it's not putting up a fight. There's no more resistance mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what is that's surrender. And when we're in a state of surrender, we, we get clarity, we get the answers, we get the pings, we get what it is that we were searching for is through the releasing of resistance, being where our feet are, that entire thing. Like you can see, it's a very like holistic lens, the way that, that we have mm-hmm. to view it. But when it comes down to, like, for you specifically during this whole IVF process, first of all, I just want to like acknowledge that and send you so much love because I know the emotional, physical, energetic energy that that takes to go through that process. Something for, I mean, anyone who's listening who's dealing with any sort of like physical, physical battle, right? Where you're like gearing up, knowing that your body's going to have to do something incredible supporting your body, honoring your body, loving your body, cherishing your body. It all sounds really great, but how do we do that? I think, again, that comes to like that discipline. It comes to the mindfulness. It comes to being able to catch yourself when you are starting to judge yourself and shame yourself and be like, well, why aren't I better? Why isn't this happening? Why can't I do this? It's getting into that true, sacred, feminine, the mother, the nurturer. And it's nurturing and and loving your, your vessel with rituals, very Mm -hmm. small things that you do. It's like putting on your, your skin, you know, your lotion or your oil after the shower before bed, just like really slowly with healing frequencies on, or it's like lighting a candle in every single room that you're in. For me, that is a ritual. There's always a candle lit wherever I am. It's, you know, maybe for you doing a meditation with like a black crystal, like a black obsidian, a black tourmaline, something that's going to pull negative energy out of the womb space because you're probably sending a lot of fear and your womb is like intellectualizing that in a way. It's like, oh, it's me. She's mad at me. So clearing out all of the the fear and anger that you've sent down to that, that chakra, your sacral chakra to your womb space, that could be helpful talking to your body, being like, what do you need? How are you? Like, what's going on? I really imagine our body, mind, and soul as like three separate entities that can only communicate in certain ways. Like our body responds to how we feel. Our body doesn't hear necessarily like, oh, it's because of this. It's just picking up the frequency of the mind. And so when the mind is fearful, when the mind is like projecting a lot of things at the body, the body's just like, okay, and it, it holds that, as you said, it gets embedded into our, into our cells, into our bones, and then it'll feel that way. I mean, Casey, my fiance, has had back issues since college. He had to get surgery. And every time that he's in that state of like really like a lot of stress, he'll be like, oh, like my back. I'm like, 
when his back flares up, we know that it's more mental than it is physical. And so for him, that's like his like trigger. It's like his signal of like, you need to do some things because your body's now carrying the physical weight of what you're emotionally and energetically going through. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to the conversation. Yes. Acceptance, surrender, flow, all of those things are beautiful, but like intentionally setting aside time in your day to honor the body, just like, oh, like just sending it, like lavish it, just like really making it feel like it is as sacred as it is. Our body can really respond in those ways more so than we give it credit. Totally. And what I'm, the emotion that's coming up, like as you talk about that or the word that I keep seeing is just gentle. It feels like this, Mm -hmm. like when fear creeps up, it feels like this giant invitation to add in gentleness. Because I think for me, fear, the word that comes to mind when I think of fear is rigidity, like sharp edges and like Mm -hmm. so harsh. And on the other side of that, the opposite of fear is love and love feels gentle. Love feels luxurious. It feels Mm -hmm. steadfast and grounded and rooted. That's such wise, good, important advice, especially for the physical aspects because the physical feeds the emotional. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, all connected. Also too, I think, I think a lot of times we can sort of run rampant around the idea that fear sort of, how am I trying to say this? For me, sometimes when I feel so anxious and I feel so fearful of an end result, that is also showing me, because I don't, I don't want to say that fear is bad. I don't want Mm -hmm. to like Right. Give the message that like if you're fearful, you're wrong or mm-hmm. um, you need to do the exact exact opposite. Because for me, I've noticed that fear is this like window into showing me how badly I want something mm-hmm. or how badly something needs to shift. Mm-hmm. And so there's that both and which I feel like this whole episode, you've done such a beautiful job of like really highlighting the both and like nothing that we've talked about that's even hard has been looked at as bad. It's just yeah part of mm-hmm. the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really beautiful note to end on. I'm yeah. so fucking grateful for you. I think the work that you do is just pure magic. You have taught me so much in this mm-hmm. hour and a half, honestly. Um, I would be, it's so funny. There's like certain people on the internet that I just really respect. And do you know, like when you find, this is a stupid example, but when you find like, let's say like your favorite mascara and you're like, if they ever stop selling that, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> so I need to buy like 12. I yeah. feel that way about you where I'm like, if she ever decides to get off the internet, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to be so sad. So that's just a random way of saying thank you for everything uh, that you do for all of us. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I, I truly think the universe will just, it brings us the people that we're meant to be in contact with and that we're meant to like celebrate life with. So I just feel so grateful and so honored to be on your podcast and to have such a beautiful conversation. You are such a beautiful soul. And I, you know, it's like, I couldn't tell that just by us emailing and like DMing. But like, then when we sit down and I see you and I see, see your face and I get to feel your energy and hear your voice, like this, you, first of all, did such a beautiful job. The questions you asked were so so expansive. Like we had such a powerful conversation and that's always what I say to my clients, you know, because people so easily will throw someone else on a pedestal. I'm like, don't put me there because Mm -hmm. 
it's the magic that occurs when the two of us are together. Like, totally. I can't sit down. If I sat down and tried to say all of that, it probably wouldn't have flowed. Like, we did that together. We created that together. And every time I said something, you nodded because you already knew it. Because mm-hmm. it already exists within you, too. The mirror piece. Yes. Comes exactly. back to the mirror. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for being my mirror today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. 